Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Good evening, everybody. This is Raven Fired Off. And this is the Tree of Life Hour. Um, we're brought to you by the Tree of Life Community Center, a nonprofit group of people in the Louisville, Kentucky area dedicated to providing space for people of earth-based religions and philosophies. And our show um, is all about uh, community and the things the community should be talking about and whatnot. And with me tonight is... A bit of a blast from the past for our listeners. Hey, I'm Old Hammerheart, and I've decided to uh, keep the lovely Raven company this evening. Hello out there. And for those of you all who are listening in, Samara will not be here this evening. She had a death in the family and is unable to be on the air. Um, And we just want to wish her and her family, we just want to kind of send our thoughts out to her and her family at this really, really difficult time. Sorry, Raven. Without saying too much, I'll just say please uh, send – without saying too much about her situation, I'll just say please – Send her your uh, your prayers or your positive your prayers to the gods and goddesses or your positive vibes and you know just send her the good feels they need them right now. Yes, yes they do. <laughs> and so tonight we are actually going to talk about some political stuff because well I'm kind of a politics junkie here. I know there's a lot of crazy stuff that has been going on in the news. Saying kind of is to really, really downplay that part of you, Raven. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, I will say this. Poor Ulf has been around, um, has seen the pot, my podcast feed, sees what I watch. You know, it's, there, there are lots of jokes about what I watch on television. So anyway, uh, but... It, this all kind of started with me um, kind of trying to, you know, when this death and all this happened, we really didn't have a show topic yet. And, you know, I just was poking around the wild hunt, as always, because, you know, sometimes, you know, as one does, you find really good and interesting articles on the wild hunt. By the way, please support them. They are the uh, pagan news site. They really do good work as far as... Um, bringing articles and stuff to us. Yeah, and they, the they really seem to do their research. They're not a they're not a fly by night hawk hack operation by any means. No, not mm. at all. And the Wild Hunt um has an article up and this was posted a couple of days ago, but there's kind of some things that I kinda of wanted to talk about regarding this. And this is the article about the health and human services it, um, the, the headline is Health and Human Services Makes Changes to, to Strengthen, in quote, Conscious Protections. And although so, that's uh, very, although that's very politically worded carefully, uh, believe me when I tell you when we get a little more into this, this is definitely something that could really come to be a problem for anybody of a non-Christian past. 
Right. So basically, um, there are some health regulations saying that healthcare providers can refuse to provide certain types of care um, to people because it violates their religious beliefs. The big, the big um, issue was with abortion and emergency contraception, but it also goes into sterilization and end-of-life care and everything else. Well, so basically what, what it is is it basically allows a healthcare worker to say, um, that procedure is against my religion, against my conscience, and I participate in Which, you know, nobody... Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead, Raven. I'll chime in in a minute. Sorry, we always get okay. our timing a little old. Yeah, yeah. So I will say this, like in the case of abortion, um, as far as abortion providers go, it's all done in the clinic and no one is telling somebody they have to provide abortion care. You know, nobody's putting a gun to somebody's head. However, what you will find is, say, in a Catholic hospital, say you're pregnant, you're um, giving birth, and you're giving birth through a C-section. Well, the doctor can't while you're already open and they've already got access to, say, your fallopian tubes, they can't do a sterilization procedure because that's against the guidelines of the, the religious medical guidelines of the hospital. Well, what I wonder there, you know, there are a couple of, of things, well, more than a couple probably, in this whole thing that present some serious quandaries. And what I wonder there with the, say, with that particular scenario you, you uh, have provided there, what if it's uh, basically a life or death thing? What if the woman wants or needs her tubes tied because, say, uh, and I know somebody had to have this done, so I'm using this as, a, as my example. Say someone has a heart condition bad enough that if they, if they carry another child to term, it will kill them giving birth. It will be, their heart will be too weak. Can they still refuse it at that point? Yep. See, and, and therein lies one of the major problems I have with this. You know, somebody, it could cost people their lives because of what somebody else believes. Somebody who, who isn't, you know, even, a, a, it, it's different, you know, a little different if somebody close to you has a difference in beliefs. You could at least have a discussion about how it affects your life. Well, I mean, that's playing the hand of God right there. They're, you know, saying, you're going to die, your life is in my hands, and I would rather let you die for what I believe than do this thing that's against my beliefs, even though you're not in my belief system and it doesn't affect you in a belief sort of way, but affects you physically. That's way too much power. Humans don't need that kind of power. Well, and see, a lot of this comes down to um, stuff with the Catholic hospitals. I guess I should should talk about some of this, and this is kind of where some of this intersects. It, it won't just be the Catholics, though. There are, there are other religiously run hospital types as well that this will affect. Right. And not but, in a positive freaking way, unfortunately. 
Right, but in the thrust of things, Catholic hospitals are the things that are most affected. And basically there's something called the ethical and religious guidelines. I'm trying to find them here. I have them up. Um, um, the ethical and religious directives um, for Catholic health care services. Um, and to kind of sum it up, because it's actually 43 pages long, okay? Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a bit of reading. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, to me, you know, 43 pages is light reading. Right. You can read that in about a half hour, probably. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it like talks about um, how these hospitals you know, they're kind of, they have to follow the guidelines of the church. And one of the things even says, Catholic healthcare institutions have a unique relationship to the church and the wider community they serve. Because of ecclesiastical nature of this relationship, the relevant requirements of canon law will be observed with regard to the foundation of a new Catholic healthcare institution. The substantial revision of the mission of the institution and sales sponsorship transfer or closure of an existing hospital. So, mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to roll to get to the goodies because there is goodies in here. It's going to make some people's blood boil if you don't know about it. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Catholic Healthcare Ministry witnesses to the sanctity of life from the moment of conception until natural death. The church's defense of life encompasses the unborn and care of women and children during and after pregnancy. The church's commitment to life is seen in its willingness to collaborate with others to alleviate the causes of the high infant mortality rate and to provide adequate health care to mothers and their children both before and after birth. And then, of course, this talks about some stuff from the Vatican Council, blah, blah, blah. Like I said, 43 pages. It's, but um, let's see. Here are some of the directives. When the marital act of sexual intercourse is not able to obtain its procreative purpose, assistance that does not be unitive and procreative into the act, and does not substitute for the marital act may be used to help marital couples conceive. In other words, you can't use IVF. Um, It it goes on and on and on about IVF. Which, for those who may not know, is... In vitro fertilization. So it's kind of assisted. Um, it's, I, I don't know she very many patients who have gone through this, but um, no, but they're out there. Is, 
but there are people out there, and basically it's like for people who are having problems getting pregnant, they can do things like IVF and whatnot to kind of get pregnant. Yeah, but this new thing is saying if a doctor wants to, he can say nope. Yeah, well, and especially the chart, uh, the, uh, the hospital. The what? Uh, the what now? Yeah, basically this is the hospital, but the doctors too, if the doctor's Catholic and follows the guidelines. Well, yeah, well, still, the hospital means the doctors, you know, they're in that have to follow it. They want to keep their jobs. And that's, that's a real problem. I mean, giving somebody else control over whether or not someone they don't even know can have a family. Uh-huh. You know, we're getting into that's, you know, people are going to snicker at this and say, I'm being paranoid or whatever, but you know, that we're at that point stepping into dystopia, you know, this, uh, that that's a step into a dystopian society when they can control whether or not you have kids, uh, what kind of healthcare you get at the point that I thought we were going to hit this later, but I'm going to later, but I'm going to bring it up at least briefly now. The end of life care, which you mentioned uh, briefly at the beginning, the fact that they can control whether or not you die. You know, if, if somebody has, it, it even goes so far as if someone has a living will that says, hey, if I get to a point where I'm hooked up to machines and I'm vegetative and they can't, you know, and that's the way I'm going to be the rest of my days, I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. My living will says, hey, pull the plug. Well, the hospital can step in and say, it's against our beliefs. We will not pull the plug. Why would you do that to somebody? That's dooming. They're supposedly, you know, according to what you read earlier, all about the care of care and protection of life. But that's not. That's the opposite of that. Keeping that person on that kind of thing when they don't want to be is to prolong their suffering, not to prolong their life. It's quality of life thing. Their life quality would be nothing. Okay, and I haven't even gotten that far into the directives, Wolf. Sorry, uh, I'll don't worry. I'll get vehement when you get there again. It's just when we were discussing this a little bit earlier, that's the one that really, really bothered me. Right. Okay, so um, abortion—that is the intended termination of a pregnancy before viability, or the directly intended destruction of a viable fetus—is never permitted. Every procedure whose sole immediate effect is the termination of a pregnancy before viability is an abortion, which in its moral context includes the interval between conception and implantation of the embryo. Catholic healthcare institutions are not to provide abortion services, even based on the principle of maternal cooperation. In this context, Catholic healthcare institutions need to be concerned about the danger of scandal in any association with abortion providers. So should I translate that in English? Yes. Okay. You speak metal, but you speak oh. medical better than a lot of people. Definitely better than me. Okay. So basically, what that means is, of course, no abortions allowed. But if you if you read a little bit further in there, it talks about even between uh, conception and implantation of an embryo. The medical definition pregnancy begins when the embryo implants into the uterine wall. That is the medical definition of being pregnant. When that happens, you're pregnant. Okay. Now, there's a pill out there called emergency contraception. 
And what it does is if, say, you had sex or even worse, say you were raped and you didn't have birth control, you can take this medicine um, up to four days after the fact. It's called emergency contraception. And basically what it does is if, say, maybe the egg and the sperm did meet and fertilize, basically what it's doing is is it, it's preventing that embryo from attaching to the uterine wall, thus beginning a pregnancy. The whole big thing is that they all, be, they all scream that life begins at conception, life being given at conception. You know, and to me, that's, wait a second, you know, medical science says that if, that an actual pregnancy doesn't begin until implantation, which could be up to seven to eight days after conception. And then, you know, different groups think that, you know, abor- you know, we'll say that abor- abortion is never permissible. Some, some, uh, some groups talk about, well, it's permissible only if it's saved the mother's life or this or that or this or that, you know, and it just depends. Personally, you know, I, I'm just kind of like it's a decision between a woman, her position, her conscience. And anyone else she wants to bring into that decision-making process. That's just the way I well, see it. I'm not going to get heavily into this because if we get on opinions of abortion, we could be all here. We could be here all day, and that could be a different oh. show. But but I will say that taking away somebody's freedom like that, whether you believe in whether you support abortion or you're pro-life or you're pro-choice or whatever, that's taking away. Even if you're an anti-abortion person, you have to realize that that's taking away a freedom. It, it may not look like it now, but if you let them do that, that's one small step toward exactly what I was talking about earlier, toward, toward worse than dystopia, toward heading toward what Orwell talked about in his book. You know, um, if you don't know who I'm referencing there, people, look it up. Orwell, 1984. Google it. Um, because, you know, whether you believe in it or not, that's snapping a freedom. You let them do that, you tell them it's okay with that, they move on to another one. Then you'll go, well, that's okay because they did this, so I guess we'll let it slide. Then they move on to another, and the next thing you know, we're living under a dictatorship and a tyranny. You know, tr- trust me, I'm not being paranoid on this one. This, It's, you know, one small step for tyranny, one giant step for bludge us all. Right. To put it lightly. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, plus, you know, as I've said before, you take away that freedom – you know, of of abortion in at least a safe environment, you go back to women dying in back alley abortions. And do we really want that on our conscience? Because that's a whole hell of a lot worse. You know, our conscience right. as a as a society, which I'm starting to think our society has less and less of, really. Well, and so I mean, but that's that's the thing. It's like, you know. Where and that's kind of why these guidelines are weird. It's like it seems like the healthcare worker, the way it's making it sound, is the hospital and the healthcare workers. Their conscience is more important than the patient or the doctor-patient relationship. 
Um, well, I've got. Go ahead. I mean, I've got I've got a story pulled up about. Um, there's one hospital in Oklahoma told because now a lot of doctors don't have their own private practice. They're kind of affiliated with hospitals. So doctors that are affiliated with this one hospital that merged within a, merged into a Catholic health system, they were told basically by the church they're no longer allowed to prescribe birth control for the reason of providing birth control. And some some doctors have figured out a way to skate around the guidelines. But it's hard to do. I mean, you know, and you can't you can take birth control for reasons other than birth control um, to prevent headaches. Um, if you have really really bad periods, that's another reason to take birth control. There's there's uh, quite a few it, reasons. Isn't it? Isn't there a certain? I can't think of the name of it right now, but there's an ovarian disorder for women that uh, taking birth control for helps. Yeah. Um, POC, poly, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yeah, thank you, POS. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think there's another one too, but yeah, it's the, the point is it's a solid point. It's it's called birth control because that's its main thing, but we have found out because science does that through research, trial and error, and things like that. As you, that, as you said, it's useful for to help prevent other medical problems. You know, you completely cut people off from that. And for some of those things, it's the only thing that works, you know, or at least for some people. You know, they try other things and the other things don't work, and using the birth control as a preventative for that is all that works. What are these people supposed to do when you yank that away from them because you don't believe in it? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm all for don't, – don't get us wrong. I, I guess from a certain slant, if you look at this, it can seem – like the like what we're saying here is all very anti-Christian, but neither one of us are. I believe very firmly that people in that there are multiple belief systems, and that people can believe, or in the case of atheists and things like that, not believe in whatever they want, so long as you don't, you know, so long as it doesn't hurt anybody. When you start using your beliefs like a hammer to slam down on people, then we have a problem, because at that point, how can I put this? At that point, it's more than just your spirituality. You're putting your opinion and your slant on life. You're forcing it on other people. And that that never ends well. Right. And see, the way I look at it is, you know, your right, your, you know, your right to your belief ends where my personal freedom begins. Right. And that's, you that's the way you can't tell somebody else how to believe, and that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Oh, hang on. There's more. Let's I got to believe that Pence has a hand in this, a big one. Direct sterilization of either men or women, whether permanent or temporary, is not permitted in the Catholic health care institutions. Procedures that induce sterility are permitted when their direct effect is the cure or alleviation of a present serious pathology and a simpler treatment is not available. Well, at least there's a point where they're permissible, but again, it it, it all comes down to the same thing. 
And this one, you know, we've been talking mainly about women because a lot of it directly affects women. But the sterilization thing, that affects men too. That means if a man wants a vasectomy, uh, they can tell him no. And there are good reasons to have vasectomies. I mean, at least it does say, you know, if it's a certain medical disorder, you have to have it okay. But, you know, if somebody doesn't want to have any more children for X reason, and that's their easiest path to have a vasectomy, why would you say no to that? Population is already a problem, especially in other parts of the world. Now, I don't know if this this obviously doesn't affect anywhere beyond America, but still, um, they're basically saying overpopulation is better than freedom of choice. Right. Oh, I thought oh, we lost yeah. you for a second, Raven. No, you've not lost me. And I mean, I, I'm just going to go on some of the stories that you hear about in the that have happened to women, like when their local hospitals merge with a Catholic hospital. Um, there was a story about a woman in Michigan who was fairly far along in her pregnancy and started bleeding. She had lost the pregnancy, but, uh, you know, she was at the point she'd started bleeding. The doctors even said, there's nothing for us to do. We can't save this pregnancy. However, because the fetus still has a heartbeat, we're not allowed to go in and do a D&C, even though we know the fetus is going to die. And even though we know that you're probably going to get an infection from it. And even though you're probably going to have to be in the hospital for a few days because the infection is going to be bad. See, see that, and, and fair warning, listeners and Raven, this is where I'm about to make the show a little – up the rating of the show a little bit. Um, that's beyond uh, even the rest of it. That's beyond taking away freedom. That's just fucking cruelty. That's making a woman – that's telling a woman we'd rather you be sick and infected. And if I'm not mistaken – I'm not a medical professional, so I'm not sure, but if I'm not mistaken, in a situation like that, if it gets bad enough, carrying that basically half-dead fetus could kill the woman. And even if uh-huh. it doesn't kill her, you're, even if it doesn't kill her, you're condemning her to sickness for the next sickness and, and other illnesses in her body for who knows however many months is left in the pregnancy. And then you're dooming her to give birth to what, at best-case scenario in that situation, would be a stillbirth. You're condemning right. her to to that horror of having to, her and whatever you know significant other may be involved in her life to dealing with having to give birth to a stillborn and take care of all that. That I'm going to say it again. It's just fucking cruel, and it reeks of stupidity on the part of people who who back this. It's okay to well, condemn I somebody mean, to sickness, and and what has to be something like an emotional brick wall landing on top of you because they don't share your beliefs. Right, absolutely. Their body should not be yours to control like that. I'm using their and yours in the very general term, folks, because it's the easiest way. But yeah, no, and and I completely agree. Um, and see, the the thing about it is, is that you know the doctor even felt the doctor's here's the thing: the doctor was affiliated with the hospital. The doctor's hands was tied. Ordinarily, in this situation, basically. 
the standard of medical care, according to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, who they should know what the, what the best standard of care is for a patient in this situation, is to go in and terminate, go ahead, terminate the pregnancy. Because the other thing that, that doing this to a woman could do is it could actually possibly put her fertility at risk. She, you know, she may not be able to have another child after this. Um, when it comes to treating atopic pregnancies, Catholic hospitals are horrible. They're just like, oh, well, you know, we can do something once your fallopian tube ruptures, but not until then because you're still pregnant. And, and see, that not only puts physical trauma on the person involved, but mental and emotional trauma of who knows what magnitude uh, on that person and, you know, the significant other that helped conceive it, you know, the, the and that's just, why condemn multiple people to that kind of fate when you could make things easier for them? Isn't that what healthcare is supposed to do? It's supposed to take care of people and make things easier for them when they have problems like this, not condemn them to, well, it's going to happen like this and you have no say-so in it. At that point, it seems to me you're asking the doctor to violate their oath. According to the U.S. Council of Catholic Bishops, these religious and ethical guidelines supersede a doctor's oath. See, and that part of the doctor's oath, I don't know the whole thing, but one thing most people know is it does say in the oath that you're supposed to do no harm. You're doing tons of harm to somebody that way, doing way more harm than than – you're doing way more harm by not doing the procedures in most cases than you would be do than you would be doing to them by doing the procedure. Oh no, I absolutely agree. But I mean this kind of this is kind of where this where this stuff happens. Um in this weird thorny situation. It's uh, call it thorny it's like, at the least. Well, I'm trying to be PG here. Well, one of us has to be. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, but like the other thing that I keep thinking of, what if you were raped and you go to, say, the only hospital in your area that does rape kits is a Catholic hospital? Once again, according to the established standard of care put out by the American College of Ops, and gynecology you know if someone's been raped of course you do a rape kit you you test them for diseases and then you immediately give them a dose of emergency contraception because the sooner you get that get your first the sooner you start on emergency contraception the smaller chance you have of becoming pregnant So, so this can they can actually deny a woman a rape kit under this? Not a rape kit. No, they can have the rape kit. They can have the testing for the diseases and everything. It's just they can't have the emergency contraception. Yeah, but my fear is, you know, we were talking earlier. I was talking earlier about this being small steps and then other larger steps that it could lead to 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 take choice further away from people, what if it leads to that? What if they start to decide, well, no, 
just no rape kits at all because it's intrusive or whatever, you know, what if it moves to that step? And it's a logical progression in this illogical thinking to move to that. And at that point, you do that, you're condoning rape. You're telling people, you're telling rapists and people with those mental dysfunctions that think rape is okay, that they can go out there and do it with no, with, with at least part of the consequences removed. Right. I mean, that's when society starts to crumble. This, you know, this isn't just a piece of paper. This, this thing has major, major consequences. What is our society coming to at this point when we're okay with this kind of thing? You know, what does that say? Seriously, great again? I don't think so. What does that say about what America is becoming? What we're suddenly okay with? People have to have to voice out against this because this kind of treatment is not okay. This, this is not something we need to just stand aside and go, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. We can't let this kind of stuff happen. If we become okay with this, sorry if I'm ranting a little, but if we become okay with this or numb to this as a society, which I think is what's happening, we're becoming numb to it, then, you know, you become numb to it. They take more and more freedoms, and you're going to see brown brown shirts in the street, if you know what I'm saying. And we really don't want to come to that point. At least I don't. No, no, I, I agree. I'm taking it too far, Raven, but that's where I, that's that's the progression I see it could go to. It really could. When you combine this with some of the other things that have politically happened recently, that's the path we're on, and it's not a good path. We're headed to a bad place, people. Wake up. Fight this shit. Um. And there's and there's other things that are other um, types of services that this involves, and I think you know maybe we should talk a little bit about about it, and especially how it, it affects the LGBTQIA community here in just a moment, because I think it's time for us to take a quick break. Yeah, I believe so too. I hope my uh, rants aren't bothering the listeners because this is the kind of subject that will send me probably on several more rants before we're done. Oh, I'm sure it will. Why do you think I asked you to come on? (laughs) Okay, so I'm the guest host tonight because I'm good at rants. There you go, folks. That's my niche. (laughs) Well, what's wrong? And if you've ever heard. And if you've ever listened to my show with my uh, counterpart, Bully, uh, when we do This Weird Road, you know that, yeah, rants is kind of our thing. We don't take things lightly or calmly. So, No, you all never have. It's kind of funny. Let's give our listeners a break. Yep. So I am going to play a song by Ginger Doss, and it's called Choose Words Wisely. And we will be back after the short break. See you soon, folks.
And we are back. Um, before we get kind of into the, the issue on LGBT um, issue, um, I found this thing on the ACLU website called Healthcare Denied. Oh, well, that sounds and it, Yeah. Um, new reports from the ACLU and Merger Watch reveals that one in six hospital beds in the U.S. is in a facility that complies with Catholic directives that prohibit a range of reproductive health care services, even when a woman's life or health in jeopardy. In some states, more one than in 40 many? One in six. Jeez. Great gods in Asgard. That, that's a high percentage. In some states, more than 40% of all hospital beds are in a Catholic-run facility leaving entire regions without any option for certain reproductive care services. God. Wow, I'm, I have no comment on that. That's just other than to say that's freaking horrible. And there's actually um, a couple of interesting stories in this report. Uh, spe- speaking of... Uh, Speaking of those in the LGBT, I know I'm leaving a few initials out, but in the LGBT community, does that mean they can now deny people 
uh, hormone treatments and, and uh, reassignment operations? Uh, possibly. Oh, man. Depending on the institution. Actually, they won't necessarily de- deny them um, the hormones, but they will deny the hysterectomy. See, we're now living in a society that's okay with uh, facelifts and liposuction and, and breast implants and things that are that are completely cosmetic. But if it's something you need medically, they can deny it. They can take away that freedom. But 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 those other superfluous cosmetic things are okay. This I'm gonna say it again. Yep. This does not speak well of where our society is headed, folks. Does not speak well of it at all. We're we're going to a very, very dark place here. And we can't just sit on our loyal on our laurels about it. We really can't. Okay, so I'm gonna there's a few interesting stories where this could affect and I'm gonna like I said, I'm gonna get into the LGBTQ issue first, but but I'm I'm kinda wanting to put some really concrete examples out there. Um, This is is a lady by the name of Mindy Swank. Mindy Swank and her husband were thrilled to learn that they had a second child on the way. Their their joy quickly dissipated, however, when Mindy's water broke prematurely at 20 weeks, and they learned through testing that the fetus, because of health conditions, could not survive. Um, Waiting for Mindy's body to complete the miscarriage on its own could expose her to infection and hemorrhaging. Nevertheless, in accordance to, with the directives, the Catholic hospital in Illinois, where Mindy had received the genetic testing, would not perform an abortion while there was still a fetal heartbeat. For nearly two weeks, Mindy struggled with the emotional strain of continuing a pregnancy when she knew her baby could not survive. Then one morning, she woke up bleeding. In a panic, Mindy and her husband rushed to the local hospital to ask them to complete the miscarriage. But that hospital also adhered to the directives and refused to induce labor. Mindy returned to the hospital multiple times over the next five weeks and was repeatedly turned away without even being told that she could get the abortion if she went elsewhere. Finally, when she was 27 weeks pregnant and severely hemorrhaging, they induced labor. The baby died shortly after delivery. So they were willing to put this woman's life at risk because letting a woman hemorrhage like that, she can die. They were willing to put this woman's life at risk because they believe different. Yeah. Oh, it gets better. Here's another story that that, that you're really gonna gonna take you off. So I'm warning you. She says she's warning me, but really what she's doing, dear listeners, is warning you that I'm probably about to rant again. Okay. Um, Countless women have turned to Catholic hospitals when something went terribly wrong with a pregnancy, even when their own health was endangered as a result, only to have have their care severely delayed or denied because of religion. Samisha Means is one of them. Samisha was 18 weeks pregnant with her third child when her water broke. She rushed to the nearest hospital, which is run by, which is operated by Mercy Health Partners in Muskegon, Michigan. Because she was only 18 weeks alone, the pregnancy was not viable. 
ending the pregnancy would have been the safest course course of action, but the hospital's policy forbade it. They gave Tamisha two Tylenol and sent her home without telling her that there was virtually no way that she could give birth to a healthy baby. When Tamisha returned the next morning, she was bleeding, in severe pain, and showing signs of an infection. Again, she was turned away. Even after she returned a third time in excruciating pain, the hospital staff began filling out the discharge paperwork. It was only when Tamisha began to deliver that the hospital provided care. The baby died within hours. God, this, that's morally reprehensible. Withholding that information from that woman, that should be illegal, but I'm guessing it isn't, right? Mm-hmm. It's not illegal to withhold information from a patient? Uh, not according to these directives, it's not. Well, see, and it totally should be because you, in order, again, they're supposed to take care of people. In order to provide the proper care for that person, they should they should inform them of that information. They should give them that information. Withholding it, again, go, to go back to something I said earlier, is cruel. It's also morally reprehensible. They're basically going, oh, this woman could die or this could happen, you know, septic, because septic things become possible then too. Which is which is putting the woman at more risk than the child at that point, and they don't care. We're we're dealing with a healthcare system that's becoming morally numb. They don't care about caring for the people that they're supposed to take care of. Doesn't that seem wrong to anybody else? Doesn't that seem broken? Oh no, I agree. Mate, we we need we need some pagan run. Uh, health institutions, that would completely change things. It would also, I'm sure, set certain people off, certain uh, sects that we won't mention here would then get up in arms about it, but it would completely change things. It would provide people with a place where the care, would, where they would get the care instead of getting somebody else's morals imposed on them. Oh, here's another one. Oh, goody. More horror stories. This is um this is from a doctor, Dr. Rupta Nargajan was working in a Catholic hospital in New England when when she encountered a 19 year old pregnant woman experiencing preterm premature rupture of the membranes at 17 weeks. The pregnancy is doomed and the patient was getting very sick and Dr. Nargajan decided that the best course of action would be to perform an abortion. But the hospital prohibited her from doing so. The patient was admitted, but not treated. Over the next day, her temperature and heart rate climbed. By the time the doctor Speak up a little, Raven. her hospital to save her life, the patient's fever had reached 104 degrees. At that point, your brain's baking. God damn it. This really this I hope for our listeners that these horrible stories burn into your brain and you don't forget them and it galvanizes you to stand up and do something. We can't just sit by and let these people we can't just sit by and let people get this horrible kind of not even treatment, lack of treatment from from these places that are supposed to treat them and take care of them. It's this isn't quite church and state getting mixed, but it's pretty close. You know, there should be a wall there between care for people and what an individual believes. When it comes down to somebody's life, 
save their life? How hard is that to comprehend and compute to people? Why does it seem so difficult to get through some of these organizations? Well, here's another horror story, and this one happened in Ireland. But this could very much happen here. Without the option of a life-saving abortion, some women will die. This tragic reality was broadcast around the world in 2012 with the death of 31-year-old Savita Halpinor, who sought emergency care at a hospital in Ireland when she was miscarrying at 17 weeks. She repeatedly requested that the doctors complete the miscarriage by providing an abortion, but they refused. While she was undeniably very sick, they did not at that time to consider her life to be at risk as necessary for abortion to be legal in Ireland. Savita passed away from a fatal infection. Reportedly, at least one healthcare professional informed Savita and her husband that she could not have an abortion because Ireland is a Catholic country. So it's better to let a woman die, to let somebody die then then to man that's just completely ridiculous doesn't make any sense at that point they're saying they place absolutely zero value on human life they're they're trying to say oh we can't abort because of the value of the life of fetus what about the woman what about her does she not matter at that point that's a human life too and it's a life they could have saved right at this point, these organizations, when they do this, and you're right, that that didn't happen here, but you're right, under these new regulations, it very easily could. And I guarantee you things like that now will happen because of this. And, you know, what what are we saying when we when we say, oh, you know, this, this fetus isn't really alive. We know it won't carry, it will die, but we're still going to make it come to term, even though you'll probably die. What is that? That's the loss of two lives when you could have saved one. At this point, these organizations are telling the doctors and nurses and other healthcare providers that work for them that, hey, you know that oath you took? It means spit. It means squat. It's nothing. It doesn't matter to us. At that point, why have doctors taken oath? I mean, I mean, they don't care. So so what, what point does it serve? What purpose does it serve? You know, hey, violate your honor and let this person die because we say so. That's a boot on our next step point. We have to, I hate to put it this way, but I have no other way, I, I can see no other way to put it. We have to rise up and say this is not okay. We do not want our people treated this way. If we don't rise up and say it, it's, this is, this is going to get a lot worse. It can reach past the medical community. If we tell them it's okay to do this medically, they're going to start imposing these beliefs on us elsewhere. And then... And then at that point, we're a society in chains, folks. It really is like that. You need to open your eyes and look at it. That's where we're headed. And rant for now, I suppose. Yeah. Also, um, I guess I want to get to this intersection with trans people. Because Wow, there's a lot a lot going on with trans folks, too. There's actually a trans person who is actually suing a Catholic hospital in New Jersey 
um, because he wanted to have a hysterectomy. Um, tra- you know, it's a trans man, still has his uterus, but didn't want his uterus anymore. Don't blame him, you know. If he's trans and doesn't want his uterus, you know, I, I get it, you know. Um, the fact that he had already had what's referred to as top surgery, um, which is kind of a cosmetic procedure, not necessarily looked on as a violation under these directives. Um, you know, it wasn't a big deal. But when him and his doctor scheduled the procedure at their local hospital, oh, no, we're a Catholic hospital. If, if he's having this done just because he wants to be sterilized, we can't do this. Even though he did done because he wanted to be sterilized, he got it done because he's a man and doesn't need, you know, he didn't want his uterus. Men don't want uteruses, you know, that's just how it goes. I know some women that don't do uteruses sometimes. <clears throat> but, you know, that's the thing. You know, he tried, um, the doctor then talked the hospital into it, then the hospital said no. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. And so, you know, he's suing the hospital for um, gen- um, for discrimination on um, based on some of the hospital's and some of the regulatory agencies' anti-discrimination laws because he believes he was discriminated. I hope he wins. Because he was a trans male. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And to interrupt you for a second, Raven, to to interrupt you for a second, Raven, uh, this also goes back to what I was talking about earlier. They were okay with the cosmetic thing, with what they call the top surgery. We all know what that means. That, you know, although that, that... it helps him identify more with his gender, which is cool. It's still cosmetic, and they were okay with that. So you go beyond cosmetic for something he wants for his body to make him better and healthier and uh, identify more where he wants to identify that harms no one else. doesn't even do him any harm per se because he'll heal from it. Plenty of people heal from that procedure all the time and lead completely normal lives. They don't want to let him do it because they don't think it's right. It's something they don't understand, so they're condemning it. And that is complete and utter bullshit. Oh, you can have you can be cosmetic you can do anything cosmetic you want. But if it's medical, oh no, 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 not that. Oh, oh no, not that. Why not? Well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna people actually people talking about oh, it violates our beliefs. You're they're violating his. They're violating his rights. It even says, uh, I, I hope, I hope this goes them. to court and it makes a huge stink. I hope it really, really comes down on them, and I hope he wins and, and laughs in their faces. Try to follow this. Okay. So the oh, story is also on the table here, folks. Dot news. Um, this is probably oh, the boy. best ever of it. Um, trans man denied surgery at Catholic Hospital lives in constant fear. If there is a procedure that is medically necessary, there should be no question whether or not hospitals will do it. Donnie Conforti, 33, told Rewire. No one should be rejected or denied care, especially just for being who you are. 
for Donnie Confortieri, St. Joseph's wasn't just any hospital, the Catholic Health System, which operates two hospital sites near where he lives in Poetza, New Jersey, came to feel like a second home. This is my neighborhood hospital, Confortieri told Rewire in a phone interview. This is where I've gone my entire life. This is where I feel comfortable. Um, his mother died of cancer in a St. Joseph hospital, and his father was treated there following a serious accident. This made this all the more devastating for Concert Terry, who is transgender. When St. Joseph, citing his Catholic identity, refused to let him undergo a hysterectomy that he and his doctor said was medically necessary. In a lawsuit filed um, in, in Jan- last January, his attorneys say that the hospital violated anti-discrimination provisions in the Affordable Care Act and the New Jersey state law by denying him a hysterectomy because of his nonconformity with sex stereotypes and gender identity. I'm sorry, some of this is just completely stunning me into silence. I really can't believe we're treating people this way at our medical facilities. Oh, hang on, hang on. Um, He sought his hysterectomy in 2015 as part of his gender confirmation and to reduce the risk of certain cancers associated with his hormone therapy. He secured letters from his primary care doctors and, and his therapist saying the surgery was medically necessary at the recommendation of his surgeon, who has admitting privileges at St. Joseph's. He sought confirmation that the health care system would allow the hysterectomy. Um, Confrontary submitted an online inquiry and went to St. Joseph Hospital in Wayne, New Jersey, where, according to the complaint, the head nurse in charge of the surgery assured him there would be no issues with Johnny undergoing the hysterectomy procedure at either of locations based for the reason of his surgery and his, his treatment for gender dysphoria. But about a week, a week later, his doctor told him that St. Joseph's refused to allow the surgery. That same day, Father Martin D. Rooney, Director of Mission Services at St. Joseph's Healthcare System, sent him an email. This is the follow-up on your email inquiring about scheduling a total hysterectomy here at St. Joseph's to remove all female parts based on the medical necessity for gender reassignment. Bernie wrote, according to the complaint, this is to inform you that as a Catholic hospital, we would not be able to allow your surgeon to schedule this surgery here at St. Joseph's. And see, this kind of stuff is no joke. I mean, I I have a friend who is transgender uh, to female, and she has posted some things about what they go through, you know, already with the gender reassignment, with the hormones and everything. It, it puts them through a lot of painful and horrible stuff to go where they want to go, not just physically, but mentally. You know, they're already under a lot of pressure, a lot of pain, a lot of things going on in their body and in their minds why put extra stress on them like that why make things worse you know things are already tough on them to do what they need to do to be who they want to be and you're basically telling this person no you can't be who you want to be you have to be who we say you want to be 
Yeah, and that's and that's the problem. And that's, and that's, that's, that's the more than a problem. Oh my God. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. But that's the thing. That's why you know, as pagans, we kind of need to be aware of what's going on, what regulations there are out there, and ways to advocate. Um, like in here in Louisville, we have a Catholic healthcare system. Yes, we do. Almost all of our and, hospitals, and we have many, many hospitals here. So, we're considered a major medical hub. Yeah, there's three three hospitals right now that we have that are considered Catholic hospitals. Well, three hospital systems. They actually encompass several hospitals, do they not? Um, it's St. Mary's, Jewish, and UofL. Because DHI runs yeah, all UofL. Of, all, of, all of which have uh, satellite uh, facilities connected to them, for lack of a better term. Right. So this goes a lot oh, yeah. further than just three three buildings, physical buildings, or three facilities. It reaches a lot further than that. This is a big web. Yeah. And I mean, the giant spider is about to eat us, and we don't care. <laughs> well, and it's like me. Um, with me, I actually changed. Um, OBGYNs because he, the OBGYN I was seeing, and, and he was a really good doctor, but he he basically merged his practice into the Jewish system, which meant that he would have to follow the ethical and religious guidelines. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I don't want a bishop or a priest telling me what medical decisions are appropriate for me in my care? And, you know, that's the thing, too. Don't be sorry. You have nothing to be sorry about to these folks. You're taking control of your life. You're moving to a place where they can't tell you that what you want to do with your body is not okay. Right. I mean, there, right. there are women out there that need breast augmentation for health reasons, to to lighten the load, as it were. And, you know, we're a step away from if they can't already under these guidelines, we're a step away from them being able to say, no, you don't need that suffer. It's already hard enough for women to get it for insurance reasons, and now they can make that even tougher too. Right. I mean, and and that is the thing. I I think everybody should pay attention to these guidelines and stuff. And and sometimes I know it seems like, you know, Wild Hunt's talking about this really obscure rule, but this really obscure rule has major consequences. Yeah, this, this to but, me this isn't obscure. I mean, there may not be a lot of people that know about it or aren't informed about it yet, but, but it's not obscure. This is freaking major. Right, but the way other organizations cover this is, oh, it's just some little obscure rule. It's not going to mean anything to ever, anybody. But yet, you know, while well, in fact, it means everything pretty much. But uh, and then it's like, oh, hey, wait a second, you know, this could have long-term, long-lasting effects for people in our community. Yeah, I mean, as you've already cited in several stories, it could mean the death of a lot of people. Just just turning a blind eye to people and letting them die because some small thing. You don't you meaning or they meaning the organization doesn't agree with that's abominable. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, 
It's medical huh. tyranny. I don't know if that's a thing, mm-hmm. but it is, it is now. <laughs> well, speaking of tyranny, I guess, um, it is a little bit past um, our the end of our show. Yeah, I'm not surprised we went over. Not on this one. <laughs> I'm not either, you know. But, you know, that's kind of why I wanted to have you on, because I know that you, you – you always have good opinions. Well, I bring the facts, you bring the opinions. <laughs> yeah, and well, I know probably a lot of people don't want to know these things. They don't want to get involved. They don't want to hear it because it's scary. And it is. I agree with that. It's some scary, scary shit. But it's the scary stuff we have to stand up to. We we have to, you know, swallow our pride and bolster our courage and stand up against this. Well, it's going to get a whole lot worse, folks. This will move past medical things. You know, I mean, Lord, for God forbid, it could move into a lot of other medical things and make it worse there, but this could go a lot further societally. So, so in society, darn it, um, the other word isn't feuding in my brain, right? But this could go a lot worse for our society, folks, I'm telling you. If you let them get away with this, the claws are just going to reach deeper. They're rending us apart as a society. This is... This is not something to stay asleep for. You got to wake up and listen to this. You got to, you know, go read the forty-three pages. Go listen to interviews. Listen, find the stories online. Make points. Talk, talk to. Uh, I don't know who you talk to about that. I don't know if you call your senator, your local representative, but there's got to be people that you can get on the phones with and say, "I don't agree with this. This is not okay. Do something to stand up against this law." To stand up against these regulations, I don't believe I don't believe this is healthy. This is not good. And if we say it in a loud enough voice with enough people, hopefully they'll have to listen. Hopefully they won't turn a deaf ear to it. But we've got to try. Don't don't sit around. I know a lot of people are like, oh, just one voice. I won't make a difference. One voice can encourage another voice, which can encourage another voice to come out. And then pretty soon you've got a chorus. And that's what we need against this, folks. Is a loud damn chorus saying, no, we're not okay with this. No, this can't go on. This treatment cannot happen. It's time to fight. I say something similar on our broadcast all the time. It's time to fight this. Uh, And I guess I'm going to leave you with that as a final note because, as Raven said, we've gone past time. But please, folks, think on this. Let this burn into your brain. Let this be something that bothers you to the point that you have to do something. And the one thing I will say um, for people who want to kind of um, follow this more, um, I would recommend either going over to rewire.news. Um, there's a website called Merger Watch. And then also the ACLU. They're all kind of working together on some of this stuff. So if you kind of want to keep an eye on the situation as it develops, those guys are going to be covering it. I know Wild Hunt will be covering it, but also for people who want to kind of look into some of the more broader guidelines, those would be the places I, I would recommend people going. So um, I guess until next week, um, you all be safe out there. And to take us out, I thought I'd play a song by Murphy's Midnight Rounders. And the song is Spirit of the Lake. So until next week, folks. Um. Take care, folks. I will see you all on this weird road with my...
compatriot Bully. And don't be surprised if in a few weeks we possibly cover something similar on this because it is something that needs to be restated. It is something that definitely will affect the pagan community uh, very, very largely. And so keep your voices strong and keep your ears out. Fight against it. We can be a better society. Rise up. Stay safe. Keep your sword sharp and your shield up. Your soul, 
Don't walk down by the water, don't go down by the shore. You'll never make it home again, you're hers forevermore. Listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. <laughs> 